again to those of you that are joining with us today, wherever you may be, welcome. Thank you for joining with me this morning. So glad to have you a part of Antioch West. And um, if you're new here and you think you're a guest, you're not a guest. You're a part of us because if you came here, I believe you came here because God brought you here. And even if you just stumbled across us on your on a feed or somebody shared the link or shared or created a watch party and somehow you've stumbled across, I don't believe that was by accident because I don't believe God does anything by chance. And so I believe today God has brought you here for a purpose. And so I pray in Jesus' name that you are blessed, that you are touched, that your life is changed by the power of the Word of God. I believe it was the second Sunday. I I, I was going to go back and look this morning, but I didn't. I forgot. Um, but I was trying to remember. I think it was the second Sunday uh, of the quarantine um, when all of this stuff hit. So um, the first Sunday... When the um, virus hit, if if for those of you that are part of Antioch West, if you remember, we did the um, we did uh, life groups, and um, that Sunday in particular, I I spoke from um, I actually set up a, a brother uh, brother Adam, who's our um, media director. He helped set up uh, we set up a camera inside uh, Brant Jen uh, Nielsen's house and we, we broadcast straight from their home, but I believe it was the second week. It was the first week that, uh, we were, that I was here in the basement. If I, if I remember correctly, I might, I might be off by week, but I'm pretty sure it was the first week that was back before I had all this fancy equipment. I just had a laptop and a little tiny, actually still sitting over there on the shelf, little tiny cheap, uh, um, uh, webcam and these two little tiny lights and I didn't have all this fancy equipment and screens and all kinds of sound effects and keyboards and speakers and this fancy camera and I, I didn't have any of that. It was just that. And I remember that day God took me to this passage of scripture and um, last night he brought me back to it. And um, it was kind of funny. Sometimes when some when stuff comes to you you know, we all are human. Um, I'm a human, and uh, I know that's kind of a dust statement, but in my humanity, sometimes I go, God, are you sure, really? And so when this scripture came back to me last night, I kind of said, okay, God, are you, are, you uh, are we doing this again, really? Are we doing this again? But I believe God sort of, uh, um, the first time I read this, about five months ago, I believe it was for a purpose, but today I believe God's taking it to another direction. So I want to take you to Psalms chapter 91, Psalms 91, and um, it's only 16 uh, verses long, uh, so it's not a terribly long um, passage of scripture. Uh, and so um, if you would, if you got the ability, that'd be awesome to look it up, Psalms 91, I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version, the NKJV um, here. But if you could, it'd be awesome if you want to follow along. I mean, obviously, you don't have to because maybe you're watching on your phone or a tablet. And you don't have the ability to switch back and forth. But if you do, um, I would encourage you to draw to follow along. Psalms 91. We're going to read the entire Psalms because it shouldn't take very long to do it. And uh, there's too much stuff in here not to read the entire thing. And this is... This is probably one of the most complete and powerful chapters in all the Bible, and I mean that. So it's worth the read, folks, this morning. Psalms 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells 
in the secret place of the Most High shall shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to do my best to not chase rabbit trails, but let me just, we like the idea of dwelling under the shadow, but uh, the caveat to being under the shadow of the Almighty is you've got to dwell in the secret place. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. When does all this start happening? When can you stand in this confidence? This talks about when you're in the secret place, under the shadow, here's the result. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely he will deliver me. Surely, it's going to happen. He will, deliver, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. And you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not, shall not, shall not, it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of your wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. We love that, man. No evil is going to befall me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, but before you start claiming that, you got to go back to the, to the clause in the contract. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent shall trample underfoot. And you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall come upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in troubles, and deliver him in honor with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. There is some phenomenal stuff in that today, and I'm not going to. I know it may seem like, but before you get too far ahead of me, this is not going to be a breakdown of Psalms 91. I believe God put back Psalms 91 in my uh, spirit, and I started with this today because there's something in Psalms 91 that is... A subtle, there's there's a foundation and an attitude in the writing of Psalms 91. There's so much depth there. We can go, you could break down each line, and each line could be something uh, that would be impactful. But I, I, I'm not really interested in, in breaking down each line today as much as the attitude and the confidence that was behind what was being spoken. Now get it. Who wrote this? It was David, King David, the shepherd boy David, who wrote this. This was not a guy uh, who uh, didn't experience things. This wasn't a guy who never lived in uh, difficult situations. In fact, this is a guy who faced many uh, things in his life, many fearful things from being uh, from both man and beast. I mean, he was being chased by King Saul on one hand, and while he was a young boy, he was being chased by the lying and the bear, and the, and eventually we know the great story of David and Goliath. So this is not a guy who comes from a utopic life of nothing going wrong and sort of just sitting 
on the beach enjoying life while waves lap up against him because he's living the blessed life. This was a guy who dealt with stuff. This was a guy who was dealing with things. And if you read Psalms in its entirety, you find that this was a guy that didn't always have the greatest confidence. There was a lot of times where he had this back and forth with God where he wasn't always on the mountaintop and speaking faith. But Psalms 91, I don't know what happened if he had a good breakfast that day. But when David wrote Psalms 91, David came with such a confidence and an attitude. And he spoke in absolutes. There was something about that. He spoke, if you go back and read it, there is no hypothetical in Psalms 91. It is absolute. Nothing's going to happen. No evil shall befall me. God's got me. I'm I'm about it was dent 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 it was confidence. It started with the first first verse of chapter ninety one. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. There was something that took place in David when he got into that moment, got under that, got under that presence, got into that, got under that covering that began to change his perspective. Because here's the problem. And here we go. We're getting into it now. We're, we're going. We're going. We're going to take a little bit of a journey today. So, if you think we're going to go one way, more than likely we're probably going to go that way for a while. Take a left, left turn and then take another right turn. So, don't jump. Typical happens a lot of times, especially people that have been around a while. You're always trying to anticipate where someone's going. Don't anticipate today. You just join with me. Let's let's go on this journey together. Don't try to find out and figure out where I'm going. Um, but we live too much in the hypothetical. A lot of us today are living controlled by the hypothetical. We are living controlled by the what if. Well, what if this happened? What if this is what what happens if this? What was what's gonna happen? What what what's what 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 if what if we are controlled by the hypothetical? We are paralyzed by the hypothetical. We are driven by the hypothetical. We react based off the hypothetical. We are living under the hypothetical. A lot of us are just absolutely prisoners to the hypothetical. You live absolutely a prisoner to the hypothetical. You get up in the morning, you're trying to have a good day, you get a shower, you brush your teeth, you put clothes on, you're trying to get moving for that day, and all of a no out of nowhere, here comes the hypothetical question. Here comes the thought. And sometimes even greater, the hypothetical moves into our relationship with God. Are you sure God really loves you? Are you sure? Are you sure this is really true? Are you sure this is not a bunch of it's 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 all this Satan thrives in the hypothetical. He he loves to get you chasing the world of the hypothetical. Well, you know if God really loved you, would he really let this happen? Do you know if God really was in control? Would he really let you get sick? If God was really in control, would he let that person do that to you? If God was really in control, or do you think God really loves you? Come on, I mean, you you know what you've done. Everybody knows what you've done. If, if you really did that, you really think God. It's the hypothetical. Or you you go even greater. You, you live in the hypothetical, the what if of tomorrow. What if? What happens if this? What, what? And so we are paralyzed by the hypothetical. We become so entrapped in the world of the hypothetical. And can I tell you this today? Faith cannot exist in the atmosphere of the hypothetical. 
Faith cannot. Because here's the problem. Faith, uh, uh, we, we look at the what if, but God lives in the what is. We, if we're not careful, allow ourselves to live in the what if, but God lives and abides and speaks in the what is. God never speaks in hypothetics. God speaks simply in the what is. Can I tell you something today for somebody that's listening? If God spoke it to you, he spoke it because it's existing. It's already there. You may not see it, but it's happening because the Bible says God calls the end from the beginning. So when God, I was talking, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. God calls the end from the beginning. So when God says, this is my will, or God says, this is the thing I want you to do, or this is what I want you to have, God is not seeing that thing for what it is currently. He's seeing that thing for what it's going to become. So when he calls it, he doesn't see it in its current condition. He sees it from where it's going to be. So the problem with that is, if you don't learn to walk in his will, I'm about to teach, come on, somebody needs to listen to me right now. God's speaking to you. If you don't learn to walk in his will and you want to live on the hypothetical, the problem is because God speaks those things that are not as though they were, God doesn't view things like you view them. Example, silly, some of you have heard me say this before. But if I walked into the kitchen right now and my wife was making a cake and she had the flour sitting out there, the eggs, the butter, uh, whatever else goes into a cake. Don't ask me to make you a cake. Trust me, it's not going to go well. But whatever ingredients go in the cake, four or five different ingredients, and I woke up to her I said, you're terrible at what you do. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, this is not a cake. This looks nothing like a cake. I see flour, and I see eggs, and I see butter, and I see, you know, whatever else goes into the ingredients of whatever the cake you're making. I say, this is this is terrible. You ever had raw flour? Try, anyone ever try to put your hand in a a raw, it's terrible. You don't want to. You don't want to eat that. That's not something you ever had. Try to eat, eating a raw egg. We're not rocky. You're not, you're not eating a raw egg. That's not what we want to do. Or just going to the to the the fridge and open up. Maybe some of you do this. God bless you for doing this. But you go to the fridge and you open up and you take out that stick of butter and you just take a slice and you eat it. God bless you if that's what you like. But I'm not interested in that. So those ingredients by themselves don't really make sense and by themselves don't really appeal. But when you put them together by the hands of the creator or by the hands of the cook or by the hands of the one who knows the end from the beginning, they're not making a cake based off where they started. They're making a cake from where it's going to be. God does not run your life from here looking back, looking forward. God directs your life from where you're, he's taking you looking back. Mm, somebody needs to hear on that. So you're looking at where you're going, but God's looking from where you're already, he's already seen you come from. 
So when God's looking back at you, you look at a pile of ingredients and go, God, I don't understand why I've got flour over here and why you've got eggs in my life and why you've got butter in my life and why you're taking me through this. And then, oh, you got that thing over there that's starting to heat up. I don't like call the oven. You're trying to heat up the, the, the winds of circumstance, the, the trials and the test of life. You're starting to heat it up to 350, 400 degrees, whatever is needed to make that. And you can feel the heat starting to come off of that. All of a sudden, you're like, no, I don't want that. But you see, if I don't have the ingredients and the oven, what I'm going through won't make sense because in the end, I'm just going to come out like a big nasty floppy mess but if I would understand that he is already sitting down at the table he's already cut into that perfectly made cake that moist cake he's already dipped that in with his little dish of ice cream and he already knows this is what is going to happen when God looks back at you where you are he doesn't see a pile of ingredients that don't make sense he doesn't see an oven of struggle and an oven of circumstances and an oven of trial and say and go oh I don't know what to do. God is already there. So when you're sitting in your living room right now and you're struggling, God, why is this going on? Why? And you're starting to question, is this even your will? Your idea of God's will and what truly is God's will is not based off where you are. God's will is based off where he's already seen you going. Hmm. So if it's will of God for you to be in your marriage, he doesn't see your marriage for where it is. He sees your marriage for where it's going. If it's the will of God for you to be in your job, and right now you hate your job and you're ready to just absolutely pull your hair out and every day you get up, you pray your boss just absolutely calls in sick because if you have to see him or her one more time, you're going to lose your mind. You say, God, can this really be your will? He doesn't see it for where it is. He sees it for where it's going. So if you don't learn to walk in his will, knowing that sometimes his will doesn't look all that great, but his will is not based off where I'm at. His will is based off where I'm going. So Psalms 91, when David wrote that, he was not writing it from the perspective of the shepherd boy trying to make his way to being a king. When he saw, when he wrote 91, he had already come from the standpoint of sitting on the throne of David was Jesus Christ. Because when he abided under the, uh, in, in the, in the presence of the Most High, when he got into the, in the, into the, into a uh, 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 secret place of the Most High and abided under the shadow of the Almighty, when you get into God's presence, he, you can begin to sense and feel things that are not as though they are. You see, facts and truth are not always the same. We look at facts, but God looks at truth. And facts and truth are not always the same. We think facts. What's that old TV show? I forgot the name of it. That uh, uh, Oh, it's a dragnet, I think. Dragnet. Some of you don't even know what that is. Google it. Joe Friday, right? I think Joe Friday was the... Well, I believe that was correct, right? Joe Friday on the um, old show Dragnet, he'd always say, I'm just a facts man. I'm just a facts guy. I'm just looking for the facts. And I get it. We That's what we are, right? We want, we want the facts. We want the hard evidence. We want the facts. But sometimes facts and truth are not the same. We deal with facts, but God deals with truth. The fact is today I'm hurting. The truth is God's a healer. The facts today say I'm bound, but the truth is God's a, God's a deliverer. The facts say today that I'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm left out in the cold and I feel abandoned. The truth is God is a God of love. He's never left me nor forsaken me. The facts say today that I'll never get it right, that I'm always going to be like this. The truth is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You've got a choice today. I told you I was going to get excited here in a moment. The choice today for whoever you are that's watching me today, you've got to determine, are you going to look at the facts or are you going to dwell on the truth? Because if all you ever do is base base your life on facts, you'll never understand the truth of who God is. Because I'm telling you, there's sometimes where truth does not match with facts. The facts say you can't walk on water, Peter. But the truth was, if you get out of the boat, you're going to stand on water that you're not going to see. The facts say that can't happen. The truth says God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. My God, sometimes it's frustrating talking to this camera. I need somebody to say amen because I know God's speaking to somebody right now. The facts say, Israel, that you're caught between the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army, mountain on your left and a mountain on your right. The facts say there's nowhere to go. But the truth is, if you would listen to the voice of God, there's a way where there was no way. If you would listen to the truth of God, there is an insurmountable obstacle in front of you called the Red Sea. But God's about to make a way where there was no way. God's about to separate the the water and cause dry land. That's what the truth is. The facts say we've got water, we've got army, we've got mountain, we've got mountain, and we've got nowhere to go. The facts say it was better for us to die in Egypt than to be brought out here to die where there are no graves. But the truth is God's got a plan and a way where there seems to be no way. The facts say I've been sitting here at this pool every day not being able to get in because every time I try to get up somebody beats me in the water and I don't know if I'll ever be able to get healing but the truth is there's a man that just stepped into this pool area that looked at me and said son do you ever want to be healed and I said to him the facts say there's nobody to help me get in the pool when the water's trouble but the truth is rise up take up your bed and walk Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Forgive me, some of you don't know, and I know it seems a little crazy today. I'm not acting normal, but I feel the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody needs to hear me. You've allowed the devil to get you focused on the facts that your faith can't operate in the truth. And you're looking around right now based off facts. But God's saying today, if you would look at the truth, I'm still on the throne. I don't care what COVID says. I don't care what it says in the news. I don't care what racism you're dealing with. I don't care what injustice is out in the world. The facts may say one thing, but the truth is Jesus is still on the throne. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody needs to hear what I'm saying today. Somebody needs to hear what the Spirit of God is trying to get you to look at. You are letting yourself be bound by the facts. But God's saying, if you would look at the truth. Last time I checked, He's still on the throne. Last time I checked, folks, the grave's still empty. Last time I checked, He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't care what the facts of the situation say. The truth says something different. The facts say I'm guilty, but the truth is I'm innocent. The facts say I've sinned, but the truth says I'm forgiven. The facts say I've messed up and I'll never get it right, but the truth is His grace is sufficient. Woo! Mm. 
I'm telling you what, if I was in your living room right now, I'd get up and dance around for a moment because I realize I have been bound by the facts, but there's a God who's greater than the facts because there's a God who is truth. There's a God who is truth. That's why the Bible says we shall worship Him in spirit and in truth. If you don't, if you can't worship God today, and you can't worship God looking at facts, but if you would step into truth, if you would step into truth, when you begin to lift up your hands and say, God, you are great and greatly to be praised. There's nobody like you. God, you're awesome. You're amazing. Not because my life is perfect. Not because there's nothing going on with my life. It's because I look at the truth of who he is and not the facts of where I'm at. Mm. Facts say one thing, but the truth says something else. The facts say it'll never change, but the truth says as long as God is still on the throne, Never count me out. The facts say I've been knocked down more times than I can even count. The facts say I've been laying on this rug, on this, on this mat, and the devil's been counting one, two, three, four, five. The facts say I'm, I'm, I'm not getting up. The facts say it looks like it's all over. Six. The facts say it's done. Seven. Facts say it's eight. The facts say it's nine. But what you don't realize is this. The say he can't count to ten. You know the devil only has nine fingers? He doesn't know how to count to ten. So he only gets to nine. Because the truth is it doesn't matter where I'm at right now. The truth is God is still on the throne. Man, I wish I could get somebody to believe what I'm saying today because it's not me trying to get you to believe it. It's God's trying to get you to believe it because God can't take you to where you're trying to get you as long as you look at the facts because there's going to be a day and time if you're walking with Jesus that the facts are not going to always add up. There's going to be a point in time, my friend, you go back and you look at it. The fact that the, 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 Joseph had a dream, right? He had a dream of being, uh, being, of God calling him and, 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 and all this stuff happening in his life. And the facts said he's a prisoner. The facts say he was accused of a crime that he didn't commit. The facts say he was always going to be a prisoner. But the truth is he was destined for a palace. That's the difference between facts and truth. And God cannot operate in your life if you're only going to look at the facts. That's the problem with our world sometimes today. We're all about, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I mean, I enjoy it. I read it. I study it. I'm, I'm not against it. Science, science is based off facts. Prove it. You can't just say you got to prove it, right? Science says prove it. Scientific method. You got to do these steps to prove science. The problem with that is God doesn't work like the scientific community. We're based off only believing what we can prove. But you know what? I can't, I can't scientifically prove to you today that water washes away sin. I can't prove it to you today. The facts say there's no way that water washes away sin. The facts say there's no way an invisible God could manifest himself in your living room or wherever you're at today. That's what the facts say. But the truth is, water becomes blood and washes away sin, and I can become free of the stain of sin. That's what truth says. Truth says today that the invisible can become manifested in the visible by simply you acknowledging, God, I believe and know that you're here. That's what the truth is. But you can't live in facts and experience the benefit of truth. Because there comes a point in time that truth 
doesn't match with facts. And facts don't always match with truth. So if you want to be somebody that's always going to believe and have to see facts, there's going to be a point in time where you and God are going to come to a place where there's not going to be any way around it. Because God's going to say, are you going to believe in your facts? Are you going to believe in my truth? For someone today, part one, this just is like a multi-part today. We're about to go into second part. But part one is simply this. God's asking somebody today, whoever you are, I'm looking right in that camera today because I hopefully look in that camera, I'm looking right in your eyes. Not because it's my eyes, but the Spirit's looking right at you today. And God wants to know, are you going to look at facts? Are you going to look at truth? God's trying to get you to look at truth. And ultimately, i got to be frank with you today, this is going to sound harsh. God doesn't care about your facts. But God, what about this? Well, what God about that? Do you think God was up there going, I, I don't really know what to do. They've got, oh, the Israelites have got water. And that guy Pharaoh's coming after them. And there's a mountain here and a mountain there. I, I don't really know what to do. God already knew the plan. He knew the end from the beginning. So you got to determine today, right now. God's asking somebody right now. Right now. This is not a future thing. I'm telling you, I felt this in, uh, in the Holy Ghost. I believe that's why I said earlier, I believe this is a word from somebody today in this moment. God wants to know right now, right now, are you going to believe facts? Or are you going to start to walk in truth? You might get up. You might be sick in your body. And God says, I want to heal you. I believe it, Lord. You're my healer. I believe it. I received that healing in Jesus' name. The facts say I still have pain. But the truth is, he's a healer. The facts say when I wake up tomorrow morning, ooh, that pain's still going to be there. Ooh, the facts say I'm not healed. No, no, no. That's what the facts say. But the truth is, he's a healer. The truth says God healed me. The truth is God healed me. Facts or truth, you choose. You choose. I can't choose it for you. You've got to choose. But if you would choose truth over facts, I'm telling you right now, right now, right now, God's going to begin to manifest himself to you in the name of Jesus, right where you are. If you would lift up your hands and say, God, I, I surrender the facts to you. Somebody right now, I'm telling the Holy Ghost, you need to listen to what I'm saying and you need to do it. I know it may sound weird or, or crazy, but come on, we're living in a, a real weird and crazy world. You'll be okay. Lift your hands right now, wherever you are, and just say, God, I acknowledge to you, I've been looking at the facts, but today... I don't want to be bound by the facts anymore. But God, I want to speak your truth and your truth alone. I want to live in your truth. I want to speak your truth. I only want to speak what you have given me to speak. Nothing more. The facts say it's impossible. But the truth says with God, all things are possible. Praise God. Somebody needs to receive it right now. Come on, right now. Receive it from Jesus. He's trying to get you to see something today. He's trying to get you to latch on to something. Let your faith grab on. Come on, you've been grabbing hold of the facts for long enough. It's time for you to let go of the facts and pick up the mantle of truth. Pick up the, 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 the mantle of tr truth. Pick it up. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14 
And uh, if uh, you would go with me down to uh, verse 32, uh, Mark 13, Mark 14, I'm sorry, verse 32. Uh, this is the uh, part of the story as Mark gives it to us here in Mark's gospel. This is the uh, uh, series of events that start taking place um, in the life of Jesus Christ at the end as he approaches the death barrel and the resurrection. And so we are at the point here, it's Thursday night, um, and we just had sort of this uh, moment where Jesus uh, gathered around the table with his uh, disciples and um, he um, he had the Last Supper. We call it the Last Supper. I don't think he said it was the Last Supper. That's what we called it. Uh, Jesus didn't say it was the Last Supper, but that's what we refer to. So this is the Last Supper, right? He breaks the bread. He said, this is my body. Take it and eat it. Uh, they drink of the, um, they drink, uh, of the, the wine and um, it was... Um, he said, this is my blood. And so we just had that. Uh, and so um, they, they got together and they had this sort of this moment. And then this is right, right after that's when when Jesus sort of has this dialogue back with Peter and um, basically says to Peter, listen, by the time the, the cock crows uh, three times that you're going to deny me. And so we have this back and forth. So we come to verse 32 um, and now Jesus is going to the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. Um, and we know that becomes a very pivotal place in the story of the passion of Christ. So it's, it's Thursday evening. By that time, the next day, he will be dead on the cross after a brutal and torturous 24-hour period. And so we're beginning to step into that. And so he takes... Uh, three men with him, Peter, James, and John. He had the 12 men that followed with him. Um, and he has Peter, James, and John um, that are, um, he takes with him into the garden. And this is what happens. Mark chapter 14, verse number 32 says, Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took J Peter, James, and John with him. And began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to him, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. Stay here and watch. He went a little further, fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping. I mean, this has got to be one of the craziest things in all of Scripture. That in this moment, I mean, come on, you had to have sensed something. These guys were not dumb. They had to have sensed something was going on. I mean, he had just, he had, just had this kind of weird and bizarre dinner party where he has them eating their bread and said, it's my body and drinking this cup that says it's my blood and turns to Peter and said, you're going to deny me. I mean, this was not exactly like they didn't know something was up. He goes into the garden and he tells, he tells some of his disciples, stay here. He takes three, one step, and then he tells them, you stay here. I'm going to go a little further. There's no way in the world they wouldn't have heard something. They could have heard the groaning or the agony. I mean, have you ever been around somebody that was under deep sorrow? And you could, They don't even have to say anything. You can feel and sense there's something that is there. 
And so Jesus goes a little farther. He falls down. He has this exchange where he says, you know, with every, with you, all things are possible. But, you know, if, you, if, it's, if you're able to, this cup's, you know, can I get around the cup? Nevertheless, he comes back and finds them sleeping. How can you not stay awake for just a few minutes? My God, it's amazing. You can stay awake for six hours to watch football, be fall asleep ten minutes at church. It's crazy to watch this. My man is falling asleep when Jesus is just not that far away in great agony. And he came and found them sleeping in verse 37 and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? He really asked him, are you really sleeping? Can you not watch me for one, one hour? He said literally an hour. You can't stay awake for an hour. Watch and pray. Lest you enter temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. Stay alert unless you are... I believe that even though this is something that hit me, and I'm not saying it's right, it just hit me. So take it at, take it at face value. But he had just told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, that will never happen, God. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to happen. He, he'd go back and look. He said, uh, 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 Peter said in verse 29 of Mark 14, when Jesus said, uh, you're going you're, you're gonna to deny me three times. And Peter said in verse 29, he said, even uh, if all are made to stumble, I will not stumble, not me. And then Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you that day, even this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more. Peter got mad. He got angry. He said, hey, if you have to die with you, I will not deny you. This is never going to happen. And then just a few minutes later, the dude's knocked out. And Jesus warned him and said, here's the problem, Peter. Here's how I know what's about to happen. Because you can't even stay up for one hour. You can't be engaged with me for one hour here. How are you going to handle when you see my back being beaten and me hanging on a cross? If you can't hang with me now, you're not. If the, the old scripture that says, if you can't run with the footmen, how are you going to handle what, how are you going to run with the horses and the chariots? If you can't handle what you're going through now, you really seriously think, can I tell you somebody, time out for a second, I've got to say this to you, if I offend you, I'm not trying to offend you, I'm trying to speak what the Lord has given me to speak. But if you really seriously think we can't handle a little COVID, we really seriously think we're going to handle the end time where there's persecution, where the Bible says that you will be hated for his very namesake, that you will have to be chased in your houses and chased into 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 hiding because we believe that there's a one and true God and we believe and we want to practice our worship and in in life with him and that could lead to death and we're afraid right now of COVID and a mask and we're so defiant I'm not wearing a mask and we really think this is so difficult when the Bible says that there's coming a day when the world is going to be full of persecution and hatred towards those who believe my friend, I'm telling you right now, if you say, well, I, I, I'm going to make it to heaven, you know. I'm, a, I'm willing to die for Jesus Christ, but I just can't wear a mask. Are you kidding me? If you think you can't handle this, you're really going to be able to handle that? Oh, I know I just, I know right now three people just turned me off and said, I'm, all, I'm done. I'm not listening to that. That's fine. Say what you want, believe what you want. But if you seriously don't think we can handle this right now, we're really going to be able to handle when Satan really turns up the heat. You really seriously think that when, when Satan finally says, I'm going to destroy the church because this is the last chance I get, because he can sense and feel the plan of God in action? And we, we, we can't handle this right now. We can't handle the fact that we're quarantined in our homes and we can't get out. We can't do this. We can't do that. And our life is so boring. We're so, we're more inconvenienced. Come on. We're more inconvenienced than we are oppressed. But let's just be honest. We're inconvenienced, but we can't handle that. But we're going to be able to handle when they're really, we're, we're going to be there when the heat's turned on. 
You know, God, I'm gonna be. I'm never gonna leave you. Peter said the same thing. I'm not. He got mad. Oh, how dare you accuse me, God? I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I've been here for three years. I'm not leaving. And then just a few minutes later, Jesus said, "I'm gonna go ten feet away." Comes back and says, "Are you really asleep? Seriously? Come on. Are you really asleep? Are you really asleep? Wake up, dude. Wake up." You can't even sit with me for an hour without falling asleep. Wake up. List. Here's the warning, Peter. If you don't wake up, you're not going to make it. I told you that by the time the cock cock crows two times, you're going to have to deny me three times. You argue with me, but you can't even sit up and pray with me for an hour. I'm telling you, that's why you're about to walk it through the valley of temptation. You're not going to make it out. He said, because the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he turned, guess what? Okay, all right, I get it. Come on. We had the whole Last Supper thing. We got that, right? Last Supper thing, we got it. I did the bread. I did the, 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 the blood. Okay, you argue with me. All right. I came back, you found you asleep. By that time, I think I'd been like, okay, well, I, I got to get it together. I mean, I don't know. I'm going down to Starbucks. I'm getting something. I'm trying to keep, I'm, I'm going to be awake. I'm not, I'm not going to let Jesus catch me sleeping again. Trust me on that. I'm not. I'm up. I'm ready to go. Where are we going? Let's up. If, if you're praying, I'm praying. If you're going, I'm going. I mean, that's where I'm at by that time. If Jesus has now called me out two times in just a few hours, called me out, I, you best believe I'm ready to go. Let's go, Jesus. Comes back a second time. He's asleep. Found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. I love it. He said they didn't know what to answer him. They were speechless. They were out of excuses. What do you say? Uh, I mean, they, what, what do you say? When Jesus comes back, I don't know how long it was. The first time had to be an hour, or roughly an hour, because when Jesus comes back the first time, he says to, to Peter, are you sleeping? You can't watch with me for an hour? So Mark only gives us a, a, a sentence you know, the, if, if it's your will, let the cup pass. But nevertheless, you know, not my will, but not be done. You know, that, that was a sentence. But it was at least probably about an hour of praying. And, and he comes back and he finds them asleep. He says, can you watch me an hour? I don't know how long the second time was, but it had to be more than a few minutes. But still, whatever it was, it wasn't all night. I mean, but it was still, he went away, came back, and they're sleeping again. And by that time, they, they, had, they, they, were, they, were, they were out. They were done. They were tapping out. They had nothing to say. I don't even want to say. So, again, get this, folks. Number one, we have the whole just someone. I mean, I know we look back on it. It's a, it's a powerful moment. But come on, you got to be sitting there. It's got to be a little strange to have this guy saying, here, here's my body, eat it. Here's my blood, drink it. You know, that's got to be a little bit of a kind of a, huh? You know, has Jesus left the reservation here? I'm not really sure. But then he has this sort of, this dialogue, and then we have this prayer and this agony, and he's in there for an hour, and he comes back, and, you know, golly, I mean, we we messed it up big time. We fell asleep. Okay, let's stay awake. Come on. Let's get up. Let's go. Come on. Wake up. Let's go. 
I mean, li- literally, I would have looked at James and John and said, hey, look, listen to me, fellas. I'm tired. I've had a long day. If you see me nodding off, would you just poke me, knock me, hit me, do something? I don't want Jesus to find me asleep again, please. Comes back, finds him asleep. I don't know what to say. But it doesn't stop there. Watch what happens. Then he came the third time. Three times Jesus found them asleep. Oh, can I tell you something right now, my friend? I know you may not see it. I get it. Maybe this is my own little revelation. So just walk with me for a second while I have a little time out with Jesus. Peter denied him three times with his mouth. But before he even denied him in the courtroom, he had already denied him in the garden. The courtroom was only the manifestation of what was already happening in his heart because he had already disconnected to Jesus in his heart in the garden. So the logical step was to connect, disconnect to Jesus in his action. Trust me, my friend, nobody walks away from God overnight. The people that walk away from God that finally confess with their mouth, I'm finished, are people that have fallen asleep in the garden. And finally, the Bible says, he comes back the third time and says, are you still sleeping and resting? And then he breaks it down and even Mark gives a little bit of an emphasis. And in the King James, it's the exclamation board. He said, it is enough. I'm done. It's enough. Enough is enough. It's over. It's enough. Done. Finished. Get up. You've hit the snooze button long enough. Come on, we've all done it, right? Not everybody said we all done it. A lot of us done it. You got to get up at 6.30. So you set your snooze, you set your alarm to 6. You got to get up at 6, you set your alarm to 5.30. Whatever time you get up in the morning. Maybe you get up at 7, you set it at 6.30, Whatever. No, you don't have to get up till 7, but you're going to set at 6.30. Why? I don't know why we do that. A lot of us, I don't know why, but maybe it's because we want to anticipate waking up. But we hit that button, 6.30, snooze, snooze, snooze. Instead of getting that really good deep sleep, the last 30 minutes before we get up, we just have that intermittent five-minute naps until we have to get up. And finally, when it comes to it, when it gets to it, at that period of time, Finally, we know if I don't get up, I'm going to be late for work. If I don't get up now, I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to come in and she would wake me up for school. Joel, get up. All right, mom, get up. Joel, get up. Okay, mom, get up. Joel, get up. Okay, mom. And I knew by the tone of her voice, she was just nudging me. And I'm like, I'll get five minutes. There'd be a come point in time. Where she would say it, or God forbid, Jesus have mercy, or she would get my father. And when when he stepped in the room, he wasn't coming in to give me a kiss. Good morning. There was a few times in my life he came in my room to wake me up because I had ignored the first and second call. But when 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 Chester Wright stepped in the room. He was not coming in to sit at my bedside, stroke my hair, and say, Hey, buddy, good morning, big guy. Wake up. You got to get up. No, no, no. When Chester Wright walked in the room, 
Um, he was walking in the room uh, because um, he was about to uh, bring the thunder and the rain. And I knew for sure that if I didn't get up when he said it, mm-mm, nope, mm-mm. When Chester Wright walked in the bedroom and said, get up, the spirit and the flesh became willing real quick. Because I knew it was done. Trust me, I don't know. Maybe it was a test. If it was a test, they didn't pass it. But Jesus said, mm, wake up, mm, wake up, mm, wake up, you sleeping boys. Hey, yeah, hey, you guys don't get it. I'm giving you another chance. Come back, mm, you're sleeping. Okay, you have no excuse. I'm going to give you one more chance. He walks away, comes back. They're still sleeping and says, it's enough. Get up. It's enough. Can I tell you this today? Here's what I really feel like part two. Part one is facts and truth. Part two is this. And I thought there was a part three, but I'm not going to be able to get to it today. We may have to come back to part three next week, the Lord willing. But here's part two, what I'm trying to say to you today. Some of you, God has brought situations in your life to try to get you to wake up, but you have hit the spiritual snooze button. Okay, God, you know, oh man, this is really tough. I gotta start, I gotta start connecting and getting connected with Jesus. Oh, okay, well, I have to snooze the button five more minutes. Okay, God, give me five more minutes of my life. Give me five more minutes of my will. Give me five more minutes of my way. Give me five more minutes of pleasure. Give me five more minutes of me doing what I want to do. And Jesus says, okay, all right, God in his mercy walks away and comes back and tries to get again. Hey, Let's wake up. Okay, God, you know, five more minutes of my will, five more minutes of pleasure, five more minutes of my thing. Come on, God, five more minutes. And finally, God says, okay, we've had enough. And God brings a situation in your life where there is no more snooze button to hit. Because if you don't get up then, there will be no getting up. Can I tell you something to somebody today? I feel this strong in my spirit. And I don't say that lightly. I'm not being hypothetical. I'm not being sensational. I'm trying to tell somebody today, the situation situation you're in is come to you to get you to wake up because God is telling you enough is enough. No more sleeping. No more slumbling. No more disconnecting. No more turning me off. You're going to get up and get up today. Enough is enough. No more promises that go unfulfilled. No more telling God, I'll do this if you get through this and you get through it and you say, but God, you know, okay, it worked and you move. Don't forget, don't make Promises to God in the raft in the middle of the ocean that you forget when you get rescued on dry land. God doesn't forget those. It's amazing how when we when God makes us promises, we are staunch. God, you better go through with me, God. Don't you forget the things you told me, God. Don't you forget. Or you're a liar. And God's like, yo, okay. What about all the things you promised me? What, what about all the things you told me? What about all the times you told me that you were going to give your life to me and you were going to turn your life to me and you were, you were going to give me control of everything, but yet every day you take a little bit back? What about all those times? Can I be honest with you? I, 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 haven't, I haven't purposely tried to be hard today. I really have. I feel the Holy Ghost today. So if I've come across hard, it's not because I'm being mean. I'm trying to convey to you what I feel in my spirit. God's not going to stick to his promises if you're not willing to stick to yours. Some of you, when COVID came, you woke up. Oh, yeah. My God. There's a bug out there that could kill us all. There's, there's a virus. Everybody, you know, 
to your houses, everybody to the houses. And I know some of you never got into the fear of it. I get it. You were just too sophisticated to get into it. All this silly COVID stuff. But for a lot of you out there, this was real. this was a very real and fright frightening situation. And you ran to your homes and you buckled down and you had your your Lysol wipes and your Lysol spray and your mask and you buckled down and said, okay, God, whatever you want from me, I'm going to give it to you, God, whatever, God, I'm a, whatever, God, I'm going to give it to you, God. And we're, you're praying, you're seeking God and you're like, oh, I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. But now here are five minutes, five months into it and, you know. Maryland doesn't have as many COVID cases and we're not like Texas or Florida or California. We're Maryland and we've done well. And, you know, the governor has given us some freedom here and there. And, you know, it's still, and, and it's easy to kind of get back into that sleep. Get back into my will, my way, my pleasure. <sighs> five, five more minutes, God. Thank you for helping me for a moment. Five, five, five more minutes. Five, five more minutes. Can I get five? God, I'm so tired. I'm so weary. Can I just get? You know, you know, you when you smack for the snooze button, where where is that snooze? Five, 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 five more minutes. God, please. Just give me five more minutes. I'll be good. There's come the point where for somebody today, God said it's enough. No more sleeping. Get up. Get up. Because you know what? While you're sleeping, the devil's working. While you're taking a nap, Satan's plotting to destroy you, plotting to destroy your family, plotting to destroy your calling. He's plotting to destroy you. And all you want to do is take a five-minute snooze because Jesus woke you up out of your little sleep because you've had a long day while the devil is working overtime. Can I tell you somebody today, God's come to tell somebody that's watching me today, it's time for you to wake up. Wake up! Stop hitting the snooze button. Stop getting alerted and say, okay, God, thank you for taking care of this. Now I'm going to go lay back down for a minute. I need a nap. Enough is enough. Now, I'll probably next week come back and go through the next phase of this. Victory and dominion. That's part. That's the next part of this. And, and I thought I was going to get, a, get to it today, but God has not allowed me. He knew this. And he knew this because, uh, to be honest with you, you can't get in victory and dominion, which is what we're going to talk about next week. You can't walk in victory and dominion if you're still sleeping. You can't do it. If you're sleeping in the garden, you can't walk in victory. If you're sleeping in the garden, you can't walk in dominion. You can't move from victory and dominion if you first have it. And, the, and he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If you don't deal with the flesh, you can never walk in the spirit. We want the benefits of the Spirit. We want all the things that Psalms 91 told us. Nothing's going to befall. No evil. Nothing's going to mess with me. No pestilence. No plague. Nothing. I'm God's child. You can't have that unless you are abiding in the secret place of the Most High and dwelling and abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. Unless you have brought your flesh under subjection and have walked in the Spirit. And right now, there's too many of you that are still being led by your flesh, your will. What's your pleasure? What's you want? What? How you want it? I want good. I want easy. I want nice. I want pleasure. And God said, if you fall asleep in the garden, you're going to walk away from me when I'm on the cross. Mm. 
If you don't learn to wake up in the garden, Peter, you're never going to make it through the tragedy of the whipping and the cross. He said it to him, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. I told you temptation's coming, Peter, but because you can't even stay awake with me for an hour in the garden, you're not going to make it through two times the cock crawling. You'll deny me three times. I wonder, I wonder, the Bible says that God always gives us a way of escape. You know that scripture that people say it's in the Bible, that's not in the Bible? That God will never put on you more than you can bear? Not in the Bible. No, nowhere to be found. Go look it up. Can't find it. It's not in there. What the Bible does say that he will never that there will never be a temptation that God doesn't give you a way of escape. Meaning God's never there's never going to be a time of temptation where you didn't have an out. There's never going to be a highway you're on, there's not going to be an exit on. You might hit a brick wall at the end of this thing and it might destroy your car. But there's going to be several exits that you had a chance to get off the highway. You blew past. I wonder, I wonder, if Jesus said to Peter, hey, Peter, there's a wall coming. You're going to hit it, crash your one. But let's go pray. I'm going to give you a few exit ramps. First exit ramp, no, I got it. Second exit ramp, no, I got it. Third exit ramp, ah, I missed it. Finally, Brick wall. Bang. I believe God's trying to tell somebody, I'm giving you a way of escape if you'd take it. God help us. There's, I've ran into some brick walls in my life that have destroyed me. I've ran into brick walls that have hurt my family. I've ran into brick walls that have hurt my wife, that have hurt my kids, that have hurt my family, that have hurt my relationship with Jesus Christ. I've ran into some brick walls that have made carnage and destruction but can i tell you this there was never a brick wall that i ran into that i didn't blow by some exits along the way i don't know why i'm telling you somebody this today i'm telling somebody this holy ghost god's trying to give you an exit take it because i'm telling you if you blow by this exit one more time you're not going to like what happens after this i'm telling you hear the word of the lord right now in the name of jesus some of you God's giving you an exit. If you take it right now, he'll make it all go away. He'll clean it all up. It will, have, it will be as if there's never happened. But if you don't listen to what God's saying to you and you just blow by another exit and think somehow that you've become the smartest person in history and you and you alone have figured out a way to get around all this, there's a brick wall that's coming. And when you hit that brick wall, I'm telling you, we're going to be picking up the pieces. Peter, there's a wall coming. But I'm going to give you a chance. Let's go to the garden. Strike one. Strike two. Strike three. Can I tell you somebody in the Holy Ghost today? Get up. Somebody. Some of you, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, I feel this so strongly. Somebody, you've been watching from a distance. Nobody even knows you've been watching. You've been holding back watching. And you haven't really had any kind of connection with Jesus for years. And God's been trying to, you've been, over the last couple months, you've had the knock of Jesus on your heart. Knock of Jesus on your heart. You've resisted, you resisted. And I'm telling you today, God's trying to tell you, wake up. It's enough. It's enough. I'm giving you a place. I'm giving you a way back, Peter. I'm giving you a chance. But in order for that to happen, you've got to be willing to wake up. Oh, Jesus, today I pray by the power of your spirit that you would wake us up who have fallen asleep.
In the name of Jesus, I pray right now by the power of the word and by the authority of the name that there would be an awakening that would come to some of us who have allowed ourselves to fall back asleep, that have allowed us to hit the snooze button and we're awake and we're falling, our, we're falling back to sleep. But God, today I feel an urgency in my heart that you put into us today that you're trying to tell somebody, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, don't let us fall asleep in our pleasure. Don't let us fall asleep in our slumber. Don't let us fall asleep in our situation. Don't let us fall asleep in our apathy. Don't let us fall asleep in our complacency. Don't let us fall asleep in the comfort of this world. But God, wake us up! 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 Because God, you see what's coming. You see the end from the beginning. And you're not trying to just be a mean father. You're not trying to cause problems in our life just for the sake of problems. But God, you call the end from the beginning. And we're looking at the facts. We're not looking at the truth. But the truth says there's a cross. But the truth also says there's a resurrection. But God, I'm only looking at where I'm at. I'm tired. I'm weary. It's easier to fall asleep than it is to stay up and pray. But God, today I pray in the name of Jesus that you would open up our hearts and minds and spirits that we could see today is the day to wake up wake up wake up wake up wake up in the name of Jesus 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 can somebody today I know this is always awkward we still after all this time we're still not used to it and so there's a level of awkwardness to all of this and, and online and you're sitting in your living room or wherever you are and it's just a different thing but can I tell you can somebody open up your mouth and talk to Jesus he's knocking he's calling he's listening he's saying hey 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 in the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Somebody listen to what I'm saying today. Somebody listen to what Jesus is trying to tell you today. It's time to wake up. 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 There's no more snooze buttons to hit. You don't have any more snooze buttons in the cycle. It's not, it's, you can't snooze this away anymore. But now and now is the time for you to wake up. Because we're in the garden. But I'm telling you something that there is, there is a, a, a season that's coming to all of us that we're not going to be in the garden, but we're going to be heading to the cross because before resurrection, there's got to be death. Before the church can be glorified, there's got to be a time where the church is crucified with Christ. I'm telling you this right now, we can't stay awake with him during the COVID Gethsemane moments where we're inconvenienced. I mean, come on, some ways Peter was inconvenienced. God, I don't, I'm your, your, it's your prayer meeting. I'm tired. I'm weary. I've been up all night. You've fed me and you've talked to me. I'm tired. But God's like, no, 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 no. You're not understanding, Peter. This, I'm trying to get you to understand something now so that in just a few hours from now, when the real trouble hits, you're prepared. But because you missed me now, you're never going to follow me then. Golly. You can't follow God across the river. You're never going to follow him across the ocean. If you can't follow God over the, mount, the little anthill, you're never going to follow God up Mount Everest. Never going to happen. 
But can I tell somebody today, God's trying to speak to you today. Today. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to wake up. I pray in the name of Jesus that you receive this word. That It's not my word, but God has spoken this word to you today that you receive it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.